0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap
1: music to your ears. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The campaign moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters.
3: Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, Tirec.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to tirerack.com slash sports. Tirec.com, that's the way tire buying should be.
1: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
3: Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Live from the City of Angels, where it's hot, but not nearly as sweaty or sweaty as it is in much of this great country. Welcome in. It's August 4th, and if you turned on TV last night, football is back. And you had to remind yourself over and over and over again. Preseason football means nothing. Preseason football means nothing. Preseason. Blaine Gabbert looks awesome. Preseason football means nothing. More on that to come. Mike Lombardi from The Ringer, uh, former front office member with the San Francisco 49ers, with the Oakland Raiders, uh, with the New England Patriots, He'll, Cleveland Browns, he's going to join us in 15 minutes or so here on the show. Preseason football means nothing. Preseason. Blaine Gavert looked amazing last night. Remember, always revert to the Preseason football means nothing. Uh, Some other things that we often say on this show have come to fruition, right? That uh, you got to have a rabbi in the room. I mean, the discussion now in Miami is apparently between Jay Cutler and the Miami Dolphins. Cutler, uh, whose tenure as a Fox NFL analyst appears to possibly uh, end before it actually begins. So would... Would he have less time on the job than um? What's the guy's name? The White House uh, spokesperson who retired, who Scarmucci? What's 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 Mooch's first name? Nobody knows Mooch's first for Anthony, Anthony Scarmucci. He lasted ten days on the job, right? I don't even I I don't can Jay Cutler actually put that on his resume? Like I, I swear I signed a contract. I was a Fox NFL analyst. Like you didn't, act, uh, if you don't call a game, but you technically. Uh, are named as a member of the team to call games. Are you? Can he say I worked at Fox Sports? Yeah, why not? Right? Why not? And it would make sense. That's because Adam Gase coached him in Chicago. He has he had a very successful run until injury under Gase. Gase leaves. He's now with the Dolphins. The Dolphins need a quarterback. Uh, here's something else we say often on this show. No one gets a second opinion on good news, right? Right? Mr. Gottlieb, you do not have cancer. Sorry, Doc. Gonna have to get a second opinion. Yesterday, the story was that Ryan Tannehill, no structural damage on his knee, on his previously sprained, not completely torn ACL and his knee. Now he's getting a second opinion, as last night, multiple reports from people who cover the National Football League said that the Dolphins fear he's going to need surgery. That's because if he doesn't need surgery, why is his knee giving out when he's scrambling in a no-contact drill? They're generally not a good sign. But no one's ever... They obviously did not say to Ryan Tannehill, you're good. He's like, mm, I'm going to have to get a second opinion. They're going to say, we can't find the complete tear, but obviously you're not good. We think you need surgery. I'm going to get a second opinion. But what happens is I think so oftentimes we make stories about things they're not actually about. Like I thought that Kaepernick would end up with the Baltimore Ravens. I did. Now I think that ship has sailed, not just because the Ravens double pumped and they're trying to not upset Joe Flacco, who's got a little bit of a bad back and they don't think is as bad a back as they thought it might be. And like, if you're Flacco, I don't want, I, I don't want We're not, we don't want any quarterback competition. That's not what this is about. This is about when I'm healthy, it's my team. But then his girlfriend tweets out a picture uh, essentially drawing a parallel between a slave owner from Django Unchained and the owner of the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm sorry if I'm writing that check. If I'm putting myself out in the line, I'm not doing it. That That, that is everything an NFL owner fears or wonders about. How it would go? It's not just if you hired Kaepernick, but if he doesn't play, or if you cut him. And as much as I, I was, I was guessing that'd be the one place that if they needed a guy, he would be the guy because Greg Roman's there, his rabbi in the room. Now, when they pass, it should make everyone stand at attention. Like the Dolphins picking up Cutler makes a ton of sense. I mean, the exception of the fact that Jay Cut and Jay Cutler's a guy that. He's the actual opposite of Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick gets signed. Some people will be uneasy, but a lot of people will really champion the mood. Hey, look at the Dolphins. They're progressive. They're not scared of any attention. But if you cut him, now, are you cutting him because of the attention? Are you cutting him because he draws a racial divide? Are you cutting him because of the Castro shirt? Like, there'd be an uproar when he's cut. Jay Cutler, you sign him, people like, and Jay Cutler, it'd almost be the opposite. When you sign Jay Cutler, people wouldn't love it. When you if you cut Jay Cutler, they love it. You cut Jay Cutler, I don't like that guy. Uh, but Cutler coming back to the NFL when many people thought he didn't really have the desire to do so reminds me. I I saw a comedian, and forgive me if you can remember the comedian who did this bit. A uh, God bless, you, and you can you can tweet me at Gottlieb show. Sean Connery is knighted, right? He's Sir Sean Connery. Great actor. Uh, speaking of great, the great John Ramos here on the ones and twos on the board today. Ramos, um, you love movies. Are you a big Sean Connery fan? black like Sean Connery, yes. Yes. Um, is he your favorite 007? He is. Okay.
1: Daniel so, Craig's a close second, though.
3: Daniel Craig is? Yeah, I yeah, like him. Yeah, Dan- Daniel Craig is phenomenal. Uh, close second, I'm trying to think. Pierce Brosnan, no. Roger Moore, no. Who else am I missing? I think there's one other guy in there. Uh, Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, no. Yeah, oh God, I'm good with that. I'm fa- that's fair. We're, okay, good. We're, <laughs> we're, we're in agreement there. We agree. Uh, Sir Sean Connery played a dragon in the movie. I think it's called Dragonheart. Do you remember that? It's Dennis Quaid, I believe. Dennis Quaid was in the movie. I, just, I, I heard a comedian do this, and so I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but can you imagine the conversation between the producer and... Sir Sean Connery. Hello? Yes, this is Sir Sean Connery. You want me to play what? Right? Like, I, I I know, listen, I know you're one of the most respected actors in the history of the profession, but we'd really like to consider this role. I would not do it. It pays how much? Right? Like, we all have these virtues that we hold dear. We all have things that we'd like to pass on. I'm sure Jay Cutler's like, yeah, you know, like I got a wife. I got kids. We got money. I got this job with Fox. I get to go to games like, eh. Wait, I can be the starting quarterback of the Dolphins who are more than decent. Like, the Dolphins are actually pretty good. Ryan Tannehill, who is a much maligned or begrudgingly respected starter with the Dolphins, coming off his best year, I think he was 8-5 and five last year before he got hurt. year before that, he threw for 4,000 yards and kind of broke through. Like, if Ryan Tannehill can do it, and I'm Jay Cutler and I've been in the league a decade plus a guy who has a sick offense that I know that I don't have to learn new verbiage. I can just come in smoking Jay Cutler, <laughs> put, put it, you know, and oh, it's a meme. if You don't know the internet. Anyway, throw the football. I mean, he could be a lot like Sir Sean Connery. No, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really into playing football. I'm very excited about, wait, it pays how much? Starting quarterback? 12, $13 million? Like, there's just, there's not anywhere on earth that Jay Cutler can make upwards of 10, 11, 12, $13 million dollars. I don't know what he's making for being part of the three-person booth. That's more an opportunity job. This is an opportunity plus a very well-compensated job. So we can make the Kaepernick thing about the cop pig socks or, in the case of Miami, the Castro shirt. But the truth is that when when you have a problem and you need a quick solution, you almost always go with somebody who you've worked with before even even like cuz if i said you trust me like well why do you trust jay cutler i don't know if there's a supreme amount of trust but at least you know the best of you know the worst of jay cutler like you don't have to get to know each other you already know each other you know what makes each other tick you know what makes like you know what kind of guy jay cutler really is and you know how you can succeed and he and gays have succeeded together on some level previously so if, Ka- if if Kaepernick is not signed, in this case, I don't think it has as much to do with wearing a Fidel Castro T-shirt. Fidel Castro, Malcolm X, like minds think alike, I think was the caption of the T-shirt. It doesn't actually matter what it said. Even if it said, I hate Fidel Castro, the image was so strong in a place like Miami, I'm not sure people care. But the point is, I don't think that in this particular instance, it's as much about that as it is about Cutler has always had arm talent. Cutler could have come back in the league as one of those veteran starters become backups. He didn't want to. Now the perfect opportunity at the perfect time when he still has time to play his way into shape comes to fruition, and I think it's going to be Cutler's job to turn down. Right, that's the most I've mentioned, Jay Cutler. the was exceptional when he had an injury. Nobody knew how bad it was back in the playoffs going back a couple of years ago. But if he was Sir Sean Connery, he would say, well, of course I'll play a dragon. Or that much.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: A couple of months ago, we were talking about Doc Rivers and what you do if you're the Clippers. Uh, Again, part of it, timing is everything. Timing is everything. And what you have to remember about Doc Rivers and how he had complete and autonomous control of the Clippers was why he had complete and autonomous control of the Clippers. Do you remember why that was? Remember what happened? Yeah, the old owner, Donald Sterling, made racist remarks on a tape. So when they needed somebody to run the franchise, like, we got to have somebody who's black. And Doc Rivers is really well respected and happens to be black. And we're like, why do we hire somebody else when we can hire Doc? It, at, at the time, it made a ton of sense. They had a good team. Doc had been around a championship organization. He'd surround himself with people who knew what he didn't know. And they go and get Jared Dudley to be a small forward. That doesn't work. They bail on Jared Dudley. And they start taking on water because it's really, really hard to have four legit starters in the NBA and not a fifth. And then as good as J.J. Redick had been for them, if J.J. Redick is not your fifth best starter, you're in a little bit of trouble as far as a championship team. DeAndre Jordan can't shoot, can't score, et cetera. And then they had injuries to, in subsequent years, to Chris Paul and to Blake Griffin. So the Clippers did exactly what I would do, which is this is what happened in Seattle with Mike Holmgren. When Mike Holmgren finally took Seattle to the Super Bowl, it's when they took away his president and general manager duties. And he had actually done, he'd actually done a pretty good job of drafting and of signing players. It was just too much. So that's what Steve Ballmer did with the Clippers. Quote, I've owned the team for three years now, and I really better understand what an owner's responsibility is. And it turns out that running a franchise and coaching are two enormous and different jobs, Ballmer told uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. The notion that one purpose can one person can fairly focus on them and give them the attention they need isn't the case. To be as good as we can be, to be a championship franchise, we need two functioning, strong people building teams un, uh, beneath them. There needs to be a healthy discussion and debate with two strong, independent-minded people. There are different relationships that a player has with a coach in the coach and front office. Doc put Lawrence—that's Lawrence, Lawrence Frank—in charge of the non-coaching aspects of the front office last year. He's done a fantastic job. I want them each to dig in. Lawrence has come on strong in that role and has helped us go down that path. This is actually really big for L- Lawrence Frank. Do you remember when Lawrence Frank lost his job with the Brooklyn Nets? Jason Kidd was the head coach, and he was paid a million dollars a year to be his assistant coach and to be his right hand because Jason Kidd had just come out the court and didn't know what he's doing. And I guess Lawrence Frank overstepped his bounds. Jason Kidd said I'd, he can file a report once a week. So he got paid for the year, and then he came over to join the Clippers. Um, The Clippers, of course, the second organization to make this move. The Hawks removed the president tag from Mike Budenholzer. That one didn't work with the Hawks. It's just too much. It's just too much. Can't be salesman and sales manager. Can't. You can't be a program director and on air host.
1: Right. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
3: NFL preseason comes out, people get super excited, super hopeful. You know, I, I think sports is almost the opposite of politics. For politics, we always expect the worst. Whereas sports, we kind of expect the best. We just always think there's a, a new r- recruit, new signee. There's a new life, a new hope, a new chance. Like your team still stinks. Like, no, 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 this year, you think Cubs fans. Next year is going to be our year. I don't know. I I watched the preseason game last night, and I was just thinking to myself, you know, you start talking about all these teams, and if you only talk about the positives, you're like, wow, they could be really good. Arizona Cardinals. Why not? We had Bruce Arians on a couple weeks ago. Carson Palmer back. Larry Fitzgerald back. You know, David Johnson back. Uh, Why not? Like, yeah, David Johnson got hurt last year. Carson Palmer hasn't been nearly as good since uh, the the knee injury or since getting kind of exposed in the playoffs a couple years ago. Larry Fitzgerald has been great in kind of the second life, but once you start talking about retirement, and they lost four starters on defense, and they weren't particularly good last year. But if I only sold you on the positives, which is, I don't know, I, I feel like sports generally is different. Now, once the games start, now all of a sudden, those old habits, teams that find ways to lose, it 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 starts bringing back up all those old memories. But I think sports in the non-conference, in the preseason, in the early part of the year, in recruiting, like we're super, super positive. Super positive about that. Am I the only one?
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
3: Let's catch up with the head coach of defending national champs, Dabo Sweeney, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Coach, how are you?
0: I'm great, thank you.
3: Coach, Hope y'all are doing well? I'm I'm doing really really well. Um, look, I mentioned that Deshaun achieved anything that anyone could have possibly hoped for him in his career, even coming back from the knee injury to then lead you to back to back playoffs and then into the national championship. Um, but but how do you how do you come down off that high, if you will, and and continue this path of the program? becoming more of just a a brand name in the ACC, a brand name nationally, of constantly being a threat to win the thing?
0: Yeah, well, we just do what we always do. I mean, we're going for our seventh 10-plus win season in a row. So, I mean, it's hard to win national championships. And and our goal is always to be just incredibly consistent. And uh, in order to do that, for us, we start over every year. So when you say, how do you come down from that, well, Unfortunately, uh, you, you you get back to work and you and you start watching the tape and you're like, God, man, we stunk in that area. We got we got to get better. There's so much to improve when you start self-evaluating and studying your season. And you know, uh, you may have lost a game but played well, or you may have won a game and played like crap. So for us, we start over every year and evaluate everything we do. Uh, And then we reinstall the program, the core values. And we make sure that everybody in this program understands our why, why we do what we do, Uh, not just what we do or how we do it, but most importantly, why we do what we do in our program. And everybody's got to take ownership of that. And the only way that can happen is you have to articulate it. You've got to – because you have people coming and going every year. And so if you just – if you don't do that, and you just assume that it's just going to carry over, well, you're you're going to you're not going to have the consistency that that you need. So for us, we start over, uh, we self evaluate, we evaluate the whole program, and and then we figure out our our path on how we're going to get better. And then we start over, and then we go back to work. And hey, we we get into those mat drills and off season program. It's a high level of accountability. We we nurture and develop leadership on this team, and. And, uh, and it's just very competitive. So, um, you know, that's what we do. And it's always about what's next. You know, we, we have a windshield mentality. It's always about what's in front of us. You know, hey, it's great what's behind us, but whether it's good or whether it's bad, that's not going to have anything to do with where we are now. We enjoyed the journey last year, but this is a new one. And we're right back at the bottom of the mountain with everybody else. Uh, you know, you don't get to stay there. Right. You? But but we do have a path uh, over the last eight years that we that we've paved. So we we've got a path. Uh, you just got to be willing to put the work in. All
3: right, let's start with offense. He averaged thirty nine point two points a game last year. Over five hundred yards of offense. It wasn't just you know Deshaun Watson. Uh, it was wayne gallman it was mike williams it was jordan leggett i mean you had some dudes and some guys with a ton of experience quarterback i mean right like deshaun's gone what are you gonna do at quarterback
0: yeah well you you go recruit you know and taj boyd was the winningest quarterback in school history And, and when he left it was like what do you do with taj boyd gone i'm like well we got some guy named deshaun watson we think he's gonna be pretty good and so you go recruit when when uh Vic Beasley went to the NFL, here was Shaq Lawson and you know it just the good news is is everybody talks about who's gone, but man, I'm so excited about who's here. We we got every offensive lineman back except one. Uh I think we've got a chance to be better on defense than we were last year. Uh, so I'm excited about all those guys and and there's no question we, we've we got a new quarterback and, and I love our running backs. We got three running backs that are that are gonna be outstanding. We've got outstanding skill at receiver, even though we lost Mike. Mike didn't play the year before when we went to the national championship the first.
3: We oh, got game. heard that first game. Uh, right.
0: So we, we got a lot of experience and a lot of guys, but we're gonna be led up front. Whoever wins that quarterback job is gonna have very good pieces around him, but to, to, to answer your question is, you go recruit, and we've signed guys. Uh, we got three quarterbacks that are really competing for this job, and and they were signed because they fit what we do, and we felt like they could be special, and all we need them to be is the best version of them. We don't need anybody to be Deshaun. He was who he was. We just need Kelly Bryant or Zarek Cooper or Hunter Johnson to be the best version of themselves and Uh, uh, we'll be just fine.
3: Okay. So like, look, you have this almost decade long run of success of 10 win seasons. Uh, You won a national championship. You've been in two college football playoffs. So if you, I got, him am not saying you sacrifice a game, but it's not like you open up the season with patsies now, right? Um, So you, you do have the chance, Kelly Bryant's a junior. He's been in the system. You would think he would handle the live bullets a little bit more easily early as opposed to, Cooper, and, and even Hunter Johnson, who enrolled early, like younger guys, in your mind, do you simply award the winner based upon the competition, or do you, do you, do you put the guy behind or under center because he has the greater upside, even if he's not as good out of the shoot?
0: <laughs> now, potential will get you fired. Uh, this is a game of performance, and the culture of our program is you get what you earn, uh, there's no entitlement uh you know all that all them all them rankings and all that stuff you know that's all based on potential you know all the uh you know preseason rankings of your team preseason rankings of all conference stuff that stuff doesn't matter the it, it when it matters is november and and for us and where we are right now, what matters is what happens on this field otherwise, why go practice you know if we're just going to anoint people you got to earn it. You know, Deshaun Watson had to come in here and earn it. He had to beat Cole Stout out, and he did. Um, and so for us, that's why the NFL, they have four preseason games because they need to go play and they need to figure things out and, and they got to put guys in situations live. We don't get that opportunity in college. We're the only level of football that doesn't have preseason games, jamborees, or something. You know, all we got to each other. All we can do is practice. So the first time that anybody really gets to play live is your first game. Um, but so sometimes it gets settled on your practice field, sometimes it spills over into the season. I don't really know what's gonna happen. Kelly Bryant is 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 certainly not anointed. He he came out of spring practice as the number one guy. And then Zarek but Zarek and, and Hunter, it was their fresh first exposure. So now they've gone and worked all summer, so has Kelly. So we've had one day of practice. Uh, they all look pretty dang good to me yesterday, so it's going to be a fun camp, but we're going to grade everything, evaluate everything, and whoever has earned it on this practice field, in our eyes, will have the opportunity to go start, uh, but it's not a lifetime contract. You know, you, you, it's a game of performance, so you have to go and perform, and so, you know, hopefully whoever wins the job will do great, but... You know, if not, you you gotta continue to give guys opportunities to compete. And to be honest with you, no matter who wins the job, we're gonna have to play oh. more than one guy because nobody has any experience. Yeah. So we've got to develop find a way to develop some experience early part of the season.
3: And you got Kent State to start, but then Auburn at Louisville, Boston College at home and at Virginia Tech. So Roadie's at Louisville and at Virginia <laughs> Tech, Auburn at home. So that's that's part of your first month of the season. I want to ask you about Howard's Rock. I thought Uh, I thought uh, ESPN did a great job last year of showing uh, just the entire experience. You have this unbelievable football facility, but it's because of layout, right, that it's not on the side of the stadium as Howard's Rock. So they got to they go out of the locker room and then you guys get on the bus and then you go around. Right. And Right. and And then they open up the door and then, you know, these guys come come out of the come out of the bus they come down they touch the rock and then they go running down now there's a there's like a lip there right there's almost like a oh, lip yeah, a and those big guys one. and those guys like to jump off and they get a ton of air <laughs> i just wonder though as a coach like and you don't you don't sweat a lot of the little things but you have to hold your breath like the last thing i want is to have this team loaded up for bear. Auburn comes in. We're defending Nash. Chant. The place is going crazy. And damn if a lineman didn't jump off the lip after touching Howard's rock and hurt themselves. Do you put? Do you tell guys who can and can't jump off that thing?
0: I do not. Uh, I don't say anything at all. You know, I want them to enjoy the experience. Uh, listen, that's a tradition that's gone on. We've had guys get hurt coming down the hill. Um, you know, I mean, you'd hope that they would. Do you
3: do hill practice for the we, for young guys? We,
0: we do not do hill practice. Uh, we we just I mean they've all been down the hill, but but no we don't. I mean it's. Uh... It's it's an amazing experience, and, it, and it's amazing to watch it and witness it, to be honest with you. But uh, you hope that they're all athletes enough to be able to get down. That's, for me, that's, hey, my, I'm concerned about myself because I don't want to be an ESPN blooper for life. So I, if I can get down the hill, the rest of the day is pretty easy. Uh, that's the hard part. Uh,
3: you know, my, my son's eight years old. We watched it last year, and I, I swear to you, he ca- he carries a rock with him. He just picked up a random rock, and he wants it to be like, like Howard's Rock. That's how much that stuff resonates on TV.
0: I know. It's amazing. You know, it's a tradition that's obviously way, way, way before me, and, and this university takes such pride in, and and kids can't wait to be a part of it, and it never gets old. It is an amazing experience, but it, it is very steep. But what people don't realize, it is very steep, and then it's got the hump, and then it's steep again, and uh, but, you know, they – Knock on wood. we've been pretty successful getting down at most days, but we have had a we have had a a fall or two along the way but not a lot of injuries.
3: last thing I know you got to go and you're busy. Um, how do you look you come from humble beginnings you calling it often. Um, and you know Hunter Renfro a former walk- on. I mean he comes from humble beginnings but you, you know how a lot of this goes is guy signs at Clemson and Clemson has been so good now they don't remember maybe the tough times. How do you, how do the young guys, how do you assimilate them and yet understand that we started, it's a humble beginnings program that has built into this juggernaut, into this national championship hopeful? How do you level out guys that haven't even achieved the level of success that they're being rewarded for because the previous guys did achieve it?
0: Yeah, you constantly educate them. I constantly, I'm the, I'm the team historian. I'm constantly challenging them and educating them on, how we built this program, and and again, why we do what we do. Pro, we spent two days of program installation with the team before we ever stepped on the field, and so you got to imagine. Now that's like you know pulling up and having your kids sit in the parking lot at Disney World before for two days before you let them go in. Yeah, you know. But but I want them to understand and have an appreciation. Uh, we work hard at making sure that they have a, a genuine appreciation for the former players, for the things that we have for the path that we've uh, been on and for why and how we do things around here. And so we work really, really hard at that. And uh, our guys buy into that. And, and then, you know, you nurture the leadership on your team. You count on the veteran guys to to really uh, teach those, those younger guys that are just showing up. Uh, but I love the fact that I've got 33 seniors and juniors that they don't know anything in their career, but, you know, Big wins and and great seasons and two national championship games and and so forth because they know what it looks like and they and so it's their job to make sure they transfer that but the main thing is we do not allow entitlement there we don't we stamp that out at all costs I mean it, we we try to empower our guys and again it's a culture of of you get what you earn. And uh, you got to put the work in. You know, championships are won when the stands are empty. You don't win them when they're full. You win when the stands are empty. And so you put the work in, and then when you don't, you hold guys accountable. So that's what we do. And, um, you know, it's been able to allow us to – to have consistency.
3: Well, I I loved it when Ben Bolwer grabbed the microphone and recognized all those former players that 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 that, that built the foundation that ultimately led you guys to yeah. win the national championship last year. I was like that was a great moment that spoke to the culture uh, of the program. Well, Coach, look, you got a crazy September. Look forward to seeing those guys run down and jump off that lip. Hope nobody gets hurt, especially <laughs> you. We appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Okay, hey, thank you. Good to be with you. All right,
3: that's uh, Dabo Sweeney, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: Ben and Amalu, we we know him, right? Movie concussion based upon his search for answers uh, with brain disease. Ben and Amalu says, um, we have this obsession with CTE, but there's much more to it than that. Quote, there has been so much fascination with CTE that we're going about it the wrong way. CTE is just one disease in a spectrum of many diseases caused by brain trauma. If he, he being a football player, doesn't have CTE, that doesn't mean he doesn't have brain damage. I've always said that every child who plays football has a 100% risk of exposure to brain damage. 100% risk. Wow. And I've always said that at the professional level, 100% would have brain damage of some kind or some degree. That's whether or not their brains are found to have CTE. Like, he is tripling down on this thing. Uh, he goes on to say, there's no such thing as a safe blow to the head, and when there are repeated blows to your head, it increases the risk of permanent brain damage. Once you start having hundreds or thousands of blows, there's a 100% risk of exposure and permanent to, to permanent brain damage. The brain doesn't have a reasonable capacity to ge- regenerate. This is something we've always known. I don't attack the NFL. I shouldn't. The NFL is a corporation. This is free market. What do corporations do? They try and make money by selling a product or a service. The NFL is not a business of healthcare. It's not research organization. If you think the NFL is not doing anything well, what do you expect? They're a business to make money. The issue is parents. In other words, he's like, you shouldn't ever, ever, ever play football, as opposed to many people saying like, look, if you just don't play tackle football, until high school, you'll be okay. Right? Or if you only, it's only tackle football for little kids. They don't hit that hard. The helmets are better. It's a lot safer. We teach them to tackle the right way. It's okay. And he's saying never, ever. And he's also saying like CTE is, CTE is to brain trauma caused by football as lung cancer is to smoking. Right? Like smoking doesn't just cause lung cancer. emphysema high blood pressure, causes your artery walls to thicken, heart disease, your fingers turn yellow, your breath turns bad, your teeth turns yellow, your mustache smell, clothes smell like smoke, and there's all these other health issues, plus people around you get sick. Anyway, what? Oh, you're, smoke- you're going to smoke outside? Anyway, um, my my the point is, and then you hear Jim Plunkett, former Super Bowl MVP, says, my life sucks. This is what he said in the San Jose Mercury News. No fun being in my body right now. Everything hurts. Now, Plunkett is 69. There are lots of guys that are 69 who they would say their body doesn't feel particularly good. Plunkett has had 18 operations, lives with artificial knees and artificial shoulder and debilitating pain in a surgically repaired back. He suffered at least 10 concussions while playing football. He's also dealing with headaches possible related to Bell's palsy which he contracted a year ago, the San Jose Mercury News said. Wow. Sign me up for that. You know, it's like, um, uh, I think it was Bill Burr ma- makes the joke about about getting married. Where do I sign up to lose half my stuff, right? Like, Who's the guy that says, where do I sign up for possible debilitating brain injury? And if not, my body just feels awful in my 60s. This is Tom Brady earlier today when discussing um, Giselle's discussion about concussions and whether or not it's anybody's business.
4: I don't want to get into, you know, things that happened in my past, certainly medical history and so forth. I really don't think that's anybody's business. I'm confident in what I do. I'm confident in the things that I do and the ways I train. But it's a contact sport, and I think we all understand that. And um, there's a lot of great benefits that football brings you. There's certainly, you can be put in harm's way. So you just do the best you can do as a player.
3: All right, so I guess the question becomes, should we feel any sympathy towards players who ask for none at this point? saying they, they, you know they, they know what they're getting into right we're giving them all this information and I would always tell you we said this Brady is lucky he plays quarterback it's a glamor position a one in which the league is trying to design more and more ways to keep him safe he's an asset and a valuable one to the NFL we care about him we don't need him getting earholed But should we feel any sympathy for these guys who, during the time in which they're playing, they're all kind of saying the same thing? Like, I appreciate your concern, but I'm good.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
3: Uh, Mike Trout joins us on the, on the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right, so October 1st, Eagles, Chargers, okay? Now, look, I got connections with the Chargers. I, I, I don't want to be presumptuous that if you're not playing baseball, are you going to that game in Eagles
4: jersey? Um, I don't know if I'll be going to the game, but I'll be wearing an Eagles jersey for sure. Why wouldn't
3: definitely. you be going to the game? It's like it's in Southern California. You live in Southern California.
4: Uh, it, it, it depends. Um, if we have an off day, is, is that the end of the season? No, when, it, uh,
3: October. It's October first. Like again, I'm offering up the possibility you guys could still be playing October first. Yeah. You're at five hundred. If you're not playing October first, I don't want to. Like, I don't, I don't know if Wifey's putting pressure on you to go on vacation, but your boys are coming to town. Ta- your boy Carson Wentz is coming to town.
4: Yeah, uh, I got season tickets uh, in the off season. Um So I'll just be going games in probably Philadelphia. Uh, I have a couple friendly wagers on that game because there's a lot of Chargers fans in here in this uh, clubhouse. So it's um, – yeah, Eagles are going to win for sure. You
3: know what? That's actually my bad. You guys do actually play playing October 1st. That is the yeah, last game do, of the regular season. I'm pretty sure yeah, the
4: season gets over like the third, I that, think.
3: Um, okay, so uh, tell me what you saw last night, fastball. You deposit 420 feet. Were you sitting dead red on that fastball?
4: Last night was a curveball.
3: See, that's what I thought. And then I read in the in the paper that like, Thompson threw you fastball. I was like, that wasn't a fastball. but
4: No, it was a curveball.
3: Were you sitting on the curveball?
4: I was not sitting on the curveball. I was sitting on a fastball and just reacting to the curveball.
3: So how do you do that?
4: Uh, you know, just telling yourself, you know, if you're ready for the, for me, if, if I'm ready for the fastball, um, I can make an adjustment for the off speed. If you're ready to hit the fastball, um, it slows down the off speed for you and then, uh, you can have time to readjust.
3: Okay. So is it like, is it all about your, your like your timing mechanism, keeping your hands in a certain place in terms of your approach? I mean, how, do, how do, how do you do that in that so many other guys, I mean, that, that sounds like a sound philosophy, but not everybody's able to. To have that philosophy come to fruition.
4: Yeah, I think for me, it's just getting my foot down. If I can get my foot down and keep my head still, I can recognize a pitch um, early, and uh, you know, make that adjustment quick. You know, the later my foot gets down, the later my I, re- I react to the pitch, and my head's moving. And um, you know, usually if it's a you know good slider that starts in the zone, and bounces away. You know, I swing at it if my foot's not down and my head's not move, or head's moving.
3: Mike Trout joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio you don't have i'm trying to if I was to describe your swing you you do this like your your right shoulder goes way down your left shoulder goes way up like you start your shoulders start at one plane and then it's not an uppercut, but there is you're you're definitely not hitting down as much on the baseball as was traditionally taught maybe ten years ago. Take me through the philosophy and how you hit a baseball
4: yeah uh yeah I just try to stay, stay inside as much as i can um. You know it's uh when I get in trouble is when I start trying to you know pull it like yank the ball you know to the left field if I stay in the middle of the field um you know stay inside the baseball you know it starts with you know in b p or even in the cage off the tee, you know just staying you know up the middle and um you know if you stay up the middle and then uh you know they if they throw if you're looking fast off the middle and they throw- they throw you an off speed pitch you're gonna you are going to you going obviously be a little bit early and you can pull it, and it'll still be fair uh if you look left field. You know, they throw you if you're sitting fast on the left field and they throw you off speed, you're gonna hook it foul. So I like to stay up the middle and use the whole field.
3: One of the things you've been able to do, you've you've come off the D L and you've hit safely in thirteen out of the fifteen games since you came off it came off the DL. And I I was I was fascinated to see how you'd play coming back because you had to you're such a, you play with such a high energy. Uh, not just in the field, but you have you have just kind of a spirit about you in your plate that I would I would fear if I were you that you were trying to do too much. What was that like for you to come back off the DL? The team was playing pretty well and how did you find the balance of not trying to do too much too early?
4: Yeah, um obviously being on a DL, you um you you're obviously fresh freshen up a little bit. Um I got to stay in shape and uh obviously the grind of, you know, playing nine innings every night I didn't have that. So, um, you know, once I got back I, I felt fresh, fresh as you know, can be. And obviously you gotta be uh, you know mindful and careful of your thumb um and you know I talked to the trainers and you know some doctors that uh you know wearing that guard i you know should be hundred percent protected, so i uh I just put it behind me i I wasn't even thinking about it
3: all right, so you going head first anymore or is, that, is that yeah head first, head first days. After?
4: yep it's uh a little weird with the mitten the mid mitt I have to wear, but uh you know I'm getting used to it
3: um but not head first and first, right never head first in the first base,
4: no <laughs> No. you know it's uh. I think I did a couple couple games ago. I think it was a play, you know, close play. I just slid feet first, you know, just to. I didn't want to obviously run into the pitcher, and then obviously you got to be mindful of your thumb.
3: No, absolutely. Mike Trout joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. I've always always wondered, and maybe argued, and some of it's because I'm a fan, is that it might actually be harder. I look this year. You guys are good. You're not. It's not as tough as it was last year when the essentially the entire rotation was hurt. But I've always thought it's it it has to be harder to come to work when the expectations for the team aren't as great. Like people will say you can't win the MVP if your team's not a playoff team. My argument would be it's harder to be great on a bad team than it is to be great when there's energy, the stands are full, every game is important. You've been on both. Okay, a couple of years ago Angels had the best record in the American League, guys obviously lost in the playoffs to the Royals. You've been on teams that struggled. What's harder to come to work and bring it when everybody's expectations are to win or the expectations are the opposite
4: yeah, um you know obviously you know when you're in it everything's going good um you know like you said, the fans are in it uh every game you're you know the energy's there, and you know um you know, like last year uh you know it's tough it it was tough you know when you you're coming you know mid mid september and you're you're out of the out of the playoff race, but um for me uh personally you know we're we're still playing against teams that are in it and uh you know if we can knock them out or you know make an impact on them um you know it just I think it helps us out and like you said it's it's there's definitely you know right now we're in a spot where three games out and the last couple games we've been playing great ball um you know the energy's there you know it's been there all season we just never you know stop fighting and uh for me it's just a baseball game is you know we're gonna to try to win every game play hard uh it doesn't matter the situation
3: Mike trout joining us angels have won three in a row They take on the a- the last place A's tonight at uh at Anaheim Stadium then you got the Orioles I mean you mentioned three games out I don't think people understand just what an accomplishment is for for this team um is it is it reasonable to think you guys could sneak in and get a wild card
4: yeah you know we're playing good right now um You know, scoring a lot of runs, and obviously the pitching's been great. You know, we're getting some guys coming off the DL. Um, You know, Cole's coming back tonight. I think Cam comes back this week, and uh, Skaggs, and, uh, you know, Heaney's pitching well as to, you know, Triple-A. But, uh, you know, we're just trying to take it one game at a time. We're not trying to look ahead. Did you Uh, go
3: one game at a time on me? Come on, dude. We have to.
4: uh, Uh, You can't look ahead. You know, for me, if I look ahead, it's like looking ahead in in, in a a bat. You know, if you look ahead in two, three at-bats, you're going to – you know, probably mess up the the bat before. So you gotta you know, take it one game at a time for us. It's we just gotta keep pushing, um you know, try to win series you know, we we got the A's in town, you know, they they play us, you know, hard every time. And uh, we just got to keep that momentum we got from last night into tonight.
3: I love those. Uh, the Philly reporters were asking you about coming to Philadelphia, <laughs> and you're like, "Dude, you, you, and you." I'm, at some point, you had to say, "Like, you guys are terrible. I'm not a free agent for like four years. Why are you asking?" But everybody assumes, like, "Oh, eventually he'll want to come home." How do you, how do you handle not? Like you didn't want to say the wrong thing, you did, you want to just like I'm committed to the organization. That's got it. That's got to be one to where you take a breath in your mind, like all right, I got to answer this thing just the right way because people are going to parse my answer.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know it's uh I, when I go back to the off season, I obviously go to Philly games and the obviously the Eagles and Sixer games. Um, yeah, I grew up, you know, Phillies fan. Um, you know, every every kid's dream is to become, you know, a major league baseball team on on their favorite team. But uh, like you said, I. I I got a, uh, you know, they took a ch- angels took a chance on me when I was seventeen, and yeah, you know, I, I love it. I love it here, and you know, like I said, I got three more years on my contract, and we'll and we'll see what happens.
3: You're a big processor, so you're believing that the the Sixers playoffs this year.
4: Yeah, uh, I think they'll sneak in. I like the I like the way they're going. You know, they got some uh, you know dra- uh, number one picks, and you know, the guys are, are uh, you know coming out and you know see how it goes this year.
3: JJ, twenty three mil for one year. That's a good. That's a good gig if you can get it. Could could you like you could. 23 mil, you could play basketball. 23 mil one year, that's not a bad gig. <laughs>
4: that's definitely, uh, you know, if he hits some threes, you, you never know. Did you guys go wild?
3: Are you guys going wild goose after the game tonight?
4: Wild goose? No, 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 no. No? No.
3: All right, I thought I saw some fellas wild goose the other night after one of the games. Listen, have a great night tonight, whether it's fastball or curveball. I thought it was a curveball. I read in the time story it was a fastball. I was like, that wasn't a fastball. That was, that was definitely a curveball. Either way. You tattooed it out 420 feet away, and that helped spark the Angels to their third consecutive win. Mike Trout of the Angels. Mike, thanks so much for joining us.
4: Yeah, thank you.
1: If you dare.
0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap
1: music to your ears.
2: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver?